Welcome, Bird Gang, and welcome to a football Friday, a busy football Friday, or at least busier than it was expected to be. On today's show, week six, game 17. Remember, this was the game added when the league went to a 17-game regular season schedule. So this extra game, if you will, what must the Cardinals do to beat the Cleveland Browns? What must they do to remain undefeated? Great questions. Mike Jarecki has the answers. But first, Zach Ertz. Yeah, that happened. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 483, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Going for Hopkins, one-handed catch and a touchdown. DeAndre Hopkins. Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. So a pretty eventful football Friday. Always on Fridays, we preview that week's matchup and the Cardinals in Cleveland. But there is actually something that supersedes that for the moment here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Did not think we would be talking about Zach Ertz, but it is done. It's official. Friday morning, the Cardinals reaching out to the Philadelphia Eagles. In fact, this is they've been talking for a while, but the trade became official Friday morning. Tied in Zach Ertz for cornerback Tay Gowan and a fifth-round selection in the 2022 NFL Draft. You're always looking as a general manager of front office, and they have found their missing piece, if you will, as far as no Max Williams, but here is Zach Ertz. Yeah, and, and we talked about it all week, just you know, once it became official, how Max uh, Williams is going to be out for the entire season. He's going to rehab from an, from an ACL injury. Don't know the extent of it, and I just thought, okay, how are they going to approach this game? Are they going to try to spread him out? Yeah, they have other tight ends on the roster, Darrell Daniels. You also have Demetrius Harris. Ross Travis was up, and then they recently added Richard Rodgers. Um, but to me, this is a good move. They didn't wait for the trade deadline. Um, you know, people say they're going all in. As a general manager, you're always looking ahead for the next two or three years, but they felt like this was the time to do it. And I'm sure when they were watching the game last night, they're thinking, don't get hurt. Because he, based on his post-game press conference, he was in tears, so he knew. And give Steve Kahn a lot of credit because this team feels like they can compete this year, and I don't think that's a surprise. And now it's a rental. We'll see what happens in the offseason. You look at Ertz's numbers compared to Max Williams this season, very similar. Ertz has one more tight end, or excuse me, one more touchdown, which was on Thursday night football in his final game with the Philadelphia Eagles. Six foot five, 250 pounds, but it does sound like this is a plug and play, if you will. Max Williams out, Zach Ertz in, and you're able to do almost, probably, everything that you want to do from an offensive system. Yeah, and, and, and I know a lot of people, you know, like Tay Gowan. I, th- I think he really, um, you know, uh, you know, had a good rapport with the fan base, you know, the whole Gowan Island when he got drafted, you know, similar to Tom Brady. But he wasn't going to be inactive the entire season. And then you give up a late third-day pick on the sixth round. So, again, I, I think it's a fifth great – Fifth round selection. Fifth round, sorry. Uh, I think it's a great uh, pickup. And, and, again, they didn't wait – um, and now, again, uh, they're going to have to play two games in five days, uh, so he'll be ready, according to Kingsbury, against the Texans, and they turn around and play the Packers on Thursday night. So, And then they'll get a little bit of a break and then obviously get ready for the second half and then their bye week. So 
the timing is impeccable. Obviously, you probably wanted the, the trade earlier, but uh, Dallas Goddard, he was on the COVID list, so they needed to basically field, you know, the tight end position. But, um, you know, he won a Super Bowl there. He, he you know, he, he was crying, and but I think Arizona is going to be a great spot for him. He gets a chance to compete in the postseason, and we know that, you know, when he was with the Eagles, he was very successful when it comes to catching the football. The single-season record for receptions by a tight end, Zach Ertz set that mark in 2018 with 116 catches. Now, the Cardinals don't need that from him. They don't need 50, 55 catches from him, five touchdowns. They need him to be Max Williams block in the run game, catch passes down the middle of the field, and that seems to be what Ertz is ready for. Quote, ecstatic about that situation and just looking forward to going into that building and showing the type of player I am, the work ethic I have with no expectation, just want to win football games. End quotes. That was Zach Ertz this morning in Philadelphia, MJ, talking about the trade from his hometown team or from the Eagles to the Cardinals. Yeah, and, you know, once again, uh, the Cardinals did have some intel. Uh, Jordan Hicks played with um, Ertz, and then Billy Davis was there as their uh, defensive coordinator, uh, maybe even a position coach. So, you know, it sounds like they did talk to Hicks and they talked to Billy Davis. And, uh, again, that's what you do because they have familiarity with Ertz. He's a work ethic. Uh, he's a team player. He's a guy that's just looking for an opportunity, and he, I'm sure him and his wife are thrilled, just like J.J. Watt and his wife were when they uh, signed with the Cardinals and just, just the quality of life and the, and the weather and playing on grass. I mean, it, there's a lot of benefits for Zach Ertz joining the Cardinals. Well, the wives, teammates on the Chicago Red Stars, and Julie Ertz, she's from here. A Mesa native, went to Dobson High School, so I'm sure she's thrilled to come back to Arizona. The weather is going to be nice. You don't shovel sunshine, as they like to say. And so you certainly upgrade in that aspect, and then you upgrade in the standings as well. And Ertz is very familiar with what he's walking into. Quote, I'm looking forward to playing with Kyler and DeAndre Hopkins and A.J. Green. Jordan Hicks has been recruiting me all week. It's going to be good to see him. End quote. Again, Zach Ertz from earlier on Friday speaking to reporters in Philadelphia. So I certainly understand the emotional aspect for him. You never want to leave. You get attached to a city. You get attached to a team. But this is interesting because in the offseason, this was long thought about by many people locally and nationally. Zach Ertz and the Arizona Cardinals, a perfect fit. Ertz wanted out of Philadelphia. Nothing materialized, and then all of a sudden he shows up and everything is fine, so to speak, with the Philadelphia Eagles. And I don't know, maybe the Eagles, after losing on Thursday night football, realize that, you know, maybe their season is not going where they thought it was going to go. Let's try to make something good for both sides, both the team and the player, in this case, Zach Ertz, being traded to the Cardinals. Yeah, it's just one of those situations where, you know, the Cardinals, you know, coming out of training camp, no Malcolm Butler, and then all of a sudden, they, they, you know, they have uh, Byron Murphy and Marco Wilson and Antonio um, Hamilton and then Robert Alford. And so, you know, there was kind of a logjam there. And, you know, I think Tay Gowan's a really raw player, um, but he just wasn't be. I mean, I, I was surprised actually, and not to say I'm surprised because usually you want to invest in your draft picks, but they're, they're – I, going into the season, I thought, it, can they slide him to the uh, through the waiver wire and put it on the practice squad? But they must have felt, you know what, um, we like his upside, but right now, you know, he's not one of our top four or five corners. 
It is a big price to pay as far as a player, a draft pick, and then, according to reports, taking on the balance of his salary. And it does need to be mentioned, Bergang, that Zach Ertz is a free agent at season's end. What that future is, who knows? But it does show you something. It's an aggressive move by the front office and general manager Steve Keim, and it does it does seem to me that it speaks to how well this team has gotten off to a five and zero start, and I'm sure it's going to make everyone in that locker room very happy because the front office is making moves to put this team in position not just to win ball games, not just to get to the playoffs, but make a postseason run. Yeah, I think that's a great observation because, you know, we always talk about a ready list and maybe they were looking at somebody who was on somebody's practice squad and we know the defense is complex, but he's played in a couple different systems. So it just, it just makes so much sense and, and I'm glad they didn't wait um, because, you know, you got to get through this game without, you know, really that blocking and, and pass-catching tight end. We'll see who, who dresses and who's up. But um, the fact is that, that they're going to get this guy. To me, it was a no-brainer when he became available. And I, I like the fact that the Cardinals did not wait for the trade deadline to kind of just say, well, we're good right now. No, they're trying to win, just like any other team that has a winning record going into week six. Kingsbury asked about that after practice on Friday, quote, we're going to do everything we can to win games, end quotes. I'll say this, though. Put yourself in the shoes or the chair of Steve Kime watching Thursday Night Football <laughs> because this was something that Zach Ertz was told ahead of time that it's going to happen. Now, nothing was official until Friday morning. Nothing was agreed to on Friday morning. But Zach Ertz went into that game last night knowing, knowing that that was going to be his final home game with the Eagles. About 99% sure that that was going to be his final home game. All right, so you're Steve Kime watching this game, watching with interest. You love the fact that he had a touchdown. But at the same time, you're holding your breath the entire game, hoping this guy does not get hurt because he gets hurt. I'm sorry. I'm pulling the plug on any kind of a trade or – my offer is a heck of a lot better from my standpoint. I'm not giving up as much. I, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall or a, a camera focused on Steve Kime watching that entire game. He probably uh, texted Jason Light and said, make sure you keep your offense on the field the entire game, please. <laughs> Run the ball. <laughs> and it, it was you know, Patriots, uh, the Buccaneers were in, were in the driver's seat, and all of a sudden they got a couple of late touchdowns, two-point conversion is 28-22, so – yeah, I mean it's you got a new uh, head coach there, and you know we I wonder if they think about Jalen Hurts as see the future. I think he shows flashes, um, but this is what happens when you get off to a slow start. And in that division, it seems like the Cowboys are head and shoulders. We'll see about the Washington Football Team. The Giants are still trying to find their identity. Um, they got to make sure that Daniel Jones is the guy. So, like I said, this this is a really um, important signing just from a standpoint of. They didn't want to wait to the trade deadline. And, and who knows? I mean, the fact that he said Jordan Hicks has recruited him all week, so he obviously had an inkling. Can you imagine if they wanted Jordan Hicks? <laughs> well, that was, in, that was also a speculation yeah. in the Back in the South. One for one, yeah. <laughs> right. And now they're teammates. <laughs> you talk about moves that are made and not made. Yes. The best move not made in 2021 – giving up Jordan Hicks and perhaps the best made or not okay second best because Rodney Hudson is the best move made in the offseason but an in-season trade you don't see a lot in the National Football League but again it's aggressive yes there's risk involved but there's risk in every move but I do like it because as you like to say and I know 
Steve Kime will disagree. He doesn't like the all-in analogy. But the Cardinals have pushed all of their chips in for this season because you don't know what's going to happen next year. This is not a two, three, four-year building process. You have a young quarterback, but they've surrounded Kyler Murray with a lot of veterans that want to win right now and not wait until next year when they have their second year under their belts with the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and and the fact is that you know they, you know, we're having a different conversation if Max Williams didn't go down. Correct. You, then there's no need for it. Yes. Right. Exactly. So this is again, they didn't wait. Now again, he can't play. But he's going to be here for the remainder of the season and the postseason, and he's going to get a chance to get back to the postseason. He did win a Super Bowl with the Eagles. Yes. Now, there is some controversy that I'm going to actually make up here on this edition Are of you Cardinals. Are you going to pick a scab here? Presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. I'm always fascinated by this because we know players and their uniform numbers. So, all right, well, what number does Zach Ertz wear? He wears 86. All right, let's scan the Cardinals roster, the depth chart. Oh, 86, that's Demetrius Harris. He wears 86. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if you can – honestly, I don't even know if you can change numbers midseason. I, I don't think you can. So, Zach Ertz is going to have to wear a different number. And at this point, I don't even think he cares. And I'm being tongue-in-cheek in this, but – it's something that I do pay attention to because guys get attached to certain numbers. Um, but, yeah, my guess is Zach Ertz will be wearing a different number. Yeah, and I think it was Schefter that tweeted out number 89. We'll just have to wait and see. Um, he's, he's, he's due to come in for a physical and then probably get all his stuff together, and he'll be on the practice field next week. But, um, you know, if you're Zach Ertz, I mean, it's Demetrius Harris. You know, he's a guy that's a fringe guy, but the Cardinals did want him to bring him in, pass catching tight end. A guy looks like a wide receiver. I, I mean, I, yeah, you can try to money whip him, but what you're saying, I mean, you can't just change during the season based on a trade. So I, I would think he's going to come in here and just keep his head down and give him the number that he, that's available, and I would think 89 would be an option. So welcome, Zach Ertz and Julia Ertz as well, the latest additions, if you will, to the Arizona Cardinals family. And, all right, let's kind of switch gears because this was not the anticipated Number one topic of discussion here on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. No, what we do on this football Friday during the season is we talk about the week's matchup. And the Cardinals find themselves this week in Cleveland taking on a 3-2 and two Browns team. But that points about Zach Ertz now as far as the trickle down. You look at the rest of the tight ends. Darrell Daniels, Demetrius Harris, they're on the active roster. you got Ross Travis and Richard Rodgers on the practice squad. One or both of those practice squad players, my guess, will be elevated to the active roster on Saturday. And one or both will be active on game day. But I do think that the Cardinals are good for one week without a Zach Ertz, without a Max Williams. They'll figure out some way to come up with an offensive scheme, and maybe it is a lot more of four and five wide. Yeah, I anticipate that. And just based off, you know, what happened last week with the Chargers being able to spin the ball down the field, and it sounds like at least they're hopeful they're going to have their corners back. So that's a little bit different than a week ago. Uh, I don't know if, if, if Newsom is ready to play, um, but they do have some veteran guys back there, and they feel like you know that gives them the best chance to win. All right, let's look at the injury report first before we get into Mike Jarecki's three keys for victory, the X Factor, and the intangibles. The big names, Jordan Hicks, 
Marco Wilson and Byron Murphy all listed as questionable. They'll be game day decisions. Hicks, Murphy, and Wilson back on the practice field, or excuse me, Murphy and Wilson back on the practice field on Thursday. Hicks returned on the practice field on Friday, so good to see him back out there. Also good to see DeAndre Hopkins on the practice field Friday. He had missed Wednesday and Thursday because of illness, but according to head coach Cliff Kingsbury, Hopkins, quote, looked good in practice. So no one has been uh, ruled out amongst those four players. And then Kyler Murray. We haven't talked about it all week, but let's acknowledge it. He is on the injury report listed as limited Wednesday and Thursday because of a right shoulder injury. I'm not concerned at all. It's not, I mean, it is a big deal because you have to acknowledge it, but there was never a doubt in my mind that Murray is going to miss a game or be affected in any way whatsoever because he's dealing with a banged-up shoulder hurt last week against the 49ers. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely worth mentioning. I guess we'll look at the uh, the first quarter and see how he's throwing the ball, et cetera. But, I, you know, they say limited. A lot of times when we leave it, I got to assume he was getting the the first team reps, and maybe they were alternating him and, and Colt McCoy. But I, like I said, you have to mention it, and it's something to look for as the game starts. All right. Now I don't want to kind of ruin any of your keys or whatever, but the fact that Nick Chubb has been ruled out with a calf injury that certainly bodes well for the Cardinals. Yet at the same time. You can't let it affect you or what you want to do from a defensive standpoint because that's when all of a sudden your mind plays tricks on you and you start taking the opponent for granted and looking ahead, looking past Sunday. So, yes, it's a huge loss for the Cleveland Browns, but it should not make this Cardinals team feel any better about their game plan or how they are playing going into this game that should have already been taken care of before the final injury report came out yeah and we know that Rodney Hudson's out and Max Garcia is going to get the start there now the thing is when you look at the one-two punch they had um, they were averaging close to 185 yards now we'll get into my keys because I, I do think Hunt is the better back more versatile so, but you do catch a break. Are they going to be able to run for 185 yards with only one back? I mean, he's going to be the bell cow. I'm assuming they want to get some of their weapons. They go three tight ends, so they may have an advantage trying to run the football early in the game to keep Kyler Murray on the sidelines. It's going to be a fascinating matchup just based on no Rodney Hudson and now um, no Nick Chubb. So I, I think Cardinals catch a break there, but again, you are – um, losing Rodney Hudson, who's one of the better uh, acquisitions in the offseason. It's a good point. Now, from a skilled player standpoint, but from what those players mean to their respective teams, Rodney Hudson, the anchor of the offensive line, and then Nick Chubb, who's the bell cow as far as what the Browns do from an offensive standpoint and rushing the football. So, yeah, maybe, you know, not that they offset one another, but it's a good point to make because injuries happen and no one cares. You have to move on. Next man up, next game. No one's slowing down because Hudson's not playing or Nick Chubb's not playing. Now, if you're a fantasy football player and you don't have the Nick Chubb availability, well, that's that's a you problem, Berggang. <laughs> I uh, I actually had someone uh, text me earlier, and, and, and they they, thought, they said that I have both Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. And I'm like, what are you in, a five-team <laughs> fantasy league? So I'm like, you can't get greedy. These guys have been putting up over 100 yards almost each, maybe averaging somewhere in the 90s. So, yeah, I mean – 
unfortunately, um, I don't think about fantasy football. I'm in one league, and I just stick to my uh, my league there. I'm not, you know, I, I get questions all the time. Hey, what's the latest on this guy? And I know it's a fantasy question because the, they want to know was he practicing? What's what's his availability? And I just I just shy away from those because I. Again, I don't I don't freak out on the injury report on Wednesday. You start looking on Thursday and Friday, and then all of a sudden guys are back. So that's part of the process here. But, yeah, I'm sure it's for gambling purposes and fantasy purposes. All right, let's pay off the tees. Football Fridays are all about Mike Jarecki's three keys for victory. So, number one, the Cardinals. They want to get to 6-0. and They want to remain undefeated. They want to beat the Browns. How's it going to happen? Well, the Cardinals' front seven can't allow Hunt to get to the seven, second level, and they got a game tackling. We know how good the corners are on the edges tackling. Uh, you know, I think Isaiah Simmons has become one of the better tacklers. Zayvon Collins could get some more time. And Hunt is the bigger edge over Chubb with his ability to catch the football. In 2020, he caught 38 passes for 304 yards and five touchdowns. Cub, Chubb, meanwhile, only caught 15 passes. So he's more of a versatile back. And they like to get him involved not only in the running game but also the passing game. So I just think, you know, I didn't say slow him down. I just said you, you can't let him get to the second level because that's when he can break off an eight-yard run and it becomes a 20, and all of a sudden now they're at midfield. So um, they got to be in their pews and cues. Your eyes got to be in the right spot. But if they can get some pressure up front uh, and, and be able to contain him, I think that will go a long way on the scoreboard. Kareem Hunt listed 5'11", 216 as it compared to Nick Chubb, 5'11", 227. So they are different running backs, but the difference that you mentioned was Hunt's ability to catch the ball out of the backfield, something that Vance Joseph noted on Thursday when he addressed the media. Hunt leads the Browns in receptions. He also has five rushing touchdowns, second most in the league. So a very capable dual threat carrying the football catching the football and I worry that if you get too caught up on trying to contain I'll use your words in fact that was coach Joseph's words on Thursday not stop but contain then all of a sudden you lose sights of Kareem Hunt and he's open in the flat or coming across the middle yeah so that that's one of my keys going in and easier said than done but I do think they catch a break without having to worry about both of those guys because you know, just like Cliff's uh, had some eye candy out there with two backs in the backfield, Rondell Moore in motion. Um, they feel like when they're both in the game, they can push the pile. And the fact that one can run and the other can catch, it makes it difficult on the defense as a whole. And keep in mind that both left tackle Jedrick Wills and right tackle Jack Conklin listed as questionable because they themselves are dealing with their own injuries. So pregame warm-ups, all of a sudden, all eyes are not only what the Cardinals have, but what the Browns have as well. So number one, I like it. Front seven, not allowing Kareem Hunt to get into the second and even third level of the Cardinals' defense. What's number two? Murray versus the Browns' secondary after they gave up close to 400 yards passing. I would spread them out. Um, I thought that all week, considering they didn't have Max Williams and, and Zach Ertz will not be out of play, considering he played on Thursday night. So I, I feel like, you know what? Um, the Cardinals have the weapons on the outside now. Depending on you know Clowney and Miles Garrett, um, you got to protect the edges. But I, I like the fact that the Cardinals could line up and spread it out, just like Justin Herbert did with the Chargers last week. And that game was 47-42. And you know Browns didn't have a chance at the end, but they just couldn't stop Justin Herbert through the air. Four of the Browns' five cornerbacks listed on the active or the depth chart, if you will, all dealing 
with injuries, and three of them listed as questionable. A.J. Green, Greg Newsom, and Greedy Wo- excuse me, Denzel Ward listed as questionable. Seems like Greedy Williams is getting better as the week went on, but something to pay attention to, again, as far as how healthy and, you know, no one's 100%, but a, a wrong tackle, a wrong landing, and all of a sudden you're on the sideline watching. Yeah, and, you know, there's a lot of talk about Baker Mayfield and, you know, obviously Jarvis Landry. We'll see what his availability is the first week he was able to practice. And and then when you look at Odell Beckham Jr., he's just been kind of non-existent. But there's going to be a game, and he played well against the Cardinals a couple years ago at State Farm Stadium. So I I just feel like, you know, um, so I'm going to go to my number three now. Uh, pressure Mayfield, get him off his spot because I think he's he, he's hearing the noise outside that, it, it, you know, clearly he's trying to get that new contract like Kyler and Lamar Jackson are. But are they, are they willing to pay him $40 million a year? I mean, I guess we're splitting hairs. They could pay him thirty five, But, you know, Stefanski came in and changed the offense, and he, they were 11-5 last year, and, and they, they got deep into the postseason and play here and a play there. Who knows what would happen, but – um, I just think he's feeling a little of the heat because the, they just can't rely on the run game when you don't have the one-two punch. So just get him off his spot. Make him uncomfortable. Um, he's he's very accurate thrown. He's a tough guy. He's not afraid to run. Um, I'm not saying he's going to try to run through you, but he, he's a guy that, you know, if, if they're over-pursuing, he's going to take off, and he's re- he has a really good strong arm where he can throw the ball down the field. The games, though, in which they've relied on Mayfield as far as that 300 passing yard mark, this team is 0-2. When he throws for less than 300 yards, they're 3-0. and And last week, 305 yards in a loss to the Chargers. But to your point, without Nick Chubb on the football field, does Baker Mayfield think he needs to do more, be hero, and also quiet some of the noise, some of the narrative, not just locally but nationally, questioning whether he is a franchise quarterback despite his number one status and the fact as we alluded to earlier this week on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals this is the first year in which he's gone back-to-back seasons with the same head coach so uh, some of it I think is unfair from as we look at it from outside and not being within the bubble if you will but I also understand that same draft class and you know, Lamar Jackson is doing his thing. Josh Allen is doing his thing. And Baker Mayfield has yet to do his thing. And, and one of the other knocks is his fourth quarter comebacks. It's not as impressive as uh, Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson or even Josh Allen. And so they're questioning that. And, and last week, because they didn't have their starting tackles out there, they got a little conservative and didn't allow him to throw the football. And I understand that from Stefanski's standpoint. Um but, again, uh, he's a talented quarterback. He's a franchise quarterback in my mind. It's just, you know, and, and I know that when Stefanski went in there, they had a come-to-Jesus conversation like, listen, you're our guy. Uh, you don't need to look over your shoulder. We need you to be productive and a great teammate. And, and obviously the, the locker room loves Baker Mayfield, so they're going to play hard for him. But, uh, again, I just think, you know, uh, you know, g- going into the season, a lot of people thought, you know, the Browns and the Bills and maybe the Chiefs and maybe the Chargers now, that they they were one of the best teams in the AFC just based on their roster. I mean, going into week one, uh, you know, I thought this is going to be a 
a, a great matchup for the Cardinals, you know, litmus tests, et cetera. But I, talent-wise, they have a really talented roster. Now, obviously, injuries do occur, and that's where you got to cover uh, and try to get somebody else in there. There is also noise surrounding Odell Beckham as well. As far as when he's on the field, there doesn't seem to be much chemistry between quarterback and wide receiver. And Beckham asked about the number of targets, and he fully – believes that he should be more involved in the offense last week he was targeted three times had two catches for 20 yards now he is still I don't know if he's completely 100 percent from the torn ACL that he suffered last season but he's on the field and he is still name wise a valuable wide receiver for whatever reason MJ it just is not working out in Cleveland and that was one of those moves, one of those first moves that all of a sudden, oh, Odell Beckham acquired by the Browns, and now all of a sudden the Browns pay attention to them. It just, it just not has not worked out. No, and and let's be honest. I mean, the whole thought was Jarvis Landry and, and Odell Beckham, and they always had you know good three and four receivers, and then they rely on three tight ends, and then they had the one-two punch. So that's the reason why I think people. We're thinking they are going to be better than an 11-5 win team last year. But one thing I pointed out this week is they're facing much more different uh, different and upgraded quarterbacks last year. They kind of benefited from the schedule. They teed it up. They won 11 games. But this year, between his not uh, his lack of fourth-quarter comebacks and, and the fact is that, you know, um, you know they're hoping he, they can get more out of him and we'll have to wait and see. But I, I do think he's a franchise quarterback. All right, so Mike Jarecki's three keys for the Cardinals to beat the Browns and move to 6-0. and Front seven, make sure Kareem Hunt does not get to the seconds or even the third level. Kyler Murray against that Browns secondary, which is banged up less than 100%. And then number three, pressure Baker Mayfield. Make him throw the football, get him off his spot. He has been sacked 13 times this season, eighth most in the league. He's only thrown two interceptions, but to your point about him not being asked to do a lot, four touchdowns, two interceptions, which <laughs> what was it on Wednesday you brought that stat up? And I was like, what, are you talking about last week's game? <laughs> and those two touchdowns. And I had to make sure, but they, I went to their um, their press release and they did, they did each position's matchups. And I'm like, is this true? And it was, um, but I was like, wow, I, you would think just the way they're scoring. Um, but a lot of it, they have a ton of rushing touchdowns, and that makes sense because that's their bread and butter based on all the money they've invested in the offensive line and drafting. Mayfield doubled his passing touchdown mark last week. He threw two to give him four on the season. But on the ground is where the Browns yeah. do most of their damage, 12 rushing touchdowns. No other team has more than eight and the Cardinals are among those teams that do have eight rushing touchdowns. So relying on the run, but let's go back to the second storyline, if you will, on this Friday. Zach Ertz, number one. Number two, no Nick Chubb. So just maybe more is going to be in the hands, placed in the hands of Baker Mayfield on Sunday. I feel, I you know, when the schedule came out, I thought this is interesting. It's a non-conference game. Um, it's on the road. It's the ninth Basically, the Cardinals are going to be on the road for nine road games this year. And, and you know, I thought this is going to be a tough matchup. But, uh, you know, as I sit here today, I, I like the Cardinals' chances. I just feel like, you know, this this team is – they're humming. 
Um, they haven't won anything. They don't give out trophies for five wins, but I, I just like the chemistry and the way they compete. And they're, they're, it's all about one day, one game. And if you keep that, you know, tunnel vision, it can go a long way. Don't get ahead of yourself. They haven't accomplished anything. They put themselves in position to make a run here in the postseason based on the start of the season. We talked a lot on Thursday. In fact, it was more me than you as far as just the concern, the worry about Nick Chubb and what he can do on the Cardinals' rush defense has not been good at all this season. And the worry that I had as far as not only is it Nick Chubb, but it's Kareem Hunt. Spent a lot of Thursday talking about that. And then Friday, 24 hours later, less than 24 hours later, it's no Nick Chubb. But going back to what we also discussed on Thursday, the Browns play next Thursday. They're the Thursday night football matchup against the Cleveland Browns. You mentioned it. Cardinals and Browns, this is the 17th game, if you will, the additional game. It's a non-conference game. It doesn't mean anything when it comes to conference standings and tiebreakers. It does with your win-loss record, but it doesn't factor in as far as tiebreakers are concerned. So the Browns can afford to lose. The Cardinals can afford to lose. No team is thinking about that, but I wonder how much of the Nick Chubb decision was, hey, you need to rest. Don't push it. Yes, it's a big deal, but this coming Thursday, we need you healthier for these games upcoming as opposed to the game this Sunday. Yeah, and I think the Cardinals will be in the same boat when they host the Texans next week. I mean, uh, they, they play hard. Uh, they're competitive. Um, but, you know, if you start talking about talent, they just don't have the talent. And we'll see if David Culley can get it turned around, obviously. You know, I thought Tyrod Taylor was a good signing. So um, when I look at that, it, it's, it's a situation where, um, I feel like, you know, if the Cardinals can just take care of business, and, and, and again, it's going to come down to turnovers, field position, I, I just I feel a lot better than I did earlier in the week just where they are. But I, my I the most thing I was curious about is how do they replace Max Williams this week? And and I'm going to get into uh, – I, did, I t- did talk about to spread them out. So my X factor is the Cardinals O-line against the Browns D-line because something's got to give there. And Max Garcia, otherwise, Beecham's there, Josh Jones, Justin Pugh. Um, they could bring in an extra tight end, um, you know, based on if they want to get an extra blocker out there. So I just – they're going to – I'm not saying you're going to have to, you know, don't let up five or six sacks. I'm just saying don't let them get to Murray. So the offensive line, if they can run the ball, that will take some of the pressure off uh, the offensive line because we know the linemen love to run the football, and it's really about just t- taking your will – against another human being and pushing him back. So I, that's going to be another key. Protect Kyler Murray because if you're going to spread them out, they're going to, they're going to have some options to where they can change their personnel. And, you know, uh, my, my other uh, intangible, Craig, is I want to see the Cardinals go with the up-tempo offense, Murray up offense, I because I don't want them substituting. And, you know, Clowney's a guy that has bone-on-bone. Uh, we know Miles Garrett is one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. Um, I think his numbers reflect it from tackles, tackle for losses, and sacks. I just don't know if Clowney can play the entire game. So, I, And plus, you don't have to substitute. Now, if the Cardinals want to change personnel, then obviously that gives the opponent. Um, but I, I want to see Collar go with a hurry-up offense. Uh, I mean, we'll see how they react to that. Miles Garrett, eight tackles for loss, leads the league, seven sacks, 16 quarterback hits, also tops in the league. And keep an eye on Clowney, who was ruled inactive during pregame warm-ups a week ago because of a sore knee. He's also dealing with an elbow issue as well, officially listed as questionable on the final injury report. Going back to your X-Factor and pointing to the offensive line, defensive line matchup, and 
the question was asked to Calvin Beecham this week about the offensive line and maybe, you know, this game being one in the trenches and how much more that's going to be on the plates of those five guys protecting Kyler Murray. And I love Beecham's response. Quote, every game is decided in the trenches. End quote. Sounds like Bertram Berry, our colleague on the Red Sea Report, because, yes, every game is decided at the line of scrimmage. Who's more physical? Who can knock the other backwards and impose their will, if you will. Um, now, if if they would have had both of their backs, I don't know if I, I if I would be that optimistic because when you're running 185 yards a game on the ground, and you talked about the rushing touchdowns, and you know we know the Cardinals can put together some nice drives, 10, 15, 17 play drives, but uh, you got to think that if they were if they were going to be in ball control with those two backs, that's not going to be the case now. So again, I think the Cardinals catch a break there and. You know, does it mean that Kareem Hunt won't put up 150? Um, he's capable of doing a lot of different things, but I just feel like the, the offensive line has to win to order to open up the run game, and we know when the run game is opened up, it, you can utilize play action and the way that Murray's been throwing the ball and guys are getting separation, so I like my chances there. And the offensive line always prefers to run block as opposed to pass protect because they like – being able to push forward as opposed to that first step being backwards. And look what happened last week, 4-12 on the clock. The Cardinals ran the ball once, threw it to DeAndre Hopkins, and then ran back-to-back plays to James Conner, and that got them to the two-minute warning, and they were able to kneel the ball and get into victory formation out of shotgun, which boggles the mind. But they were able to waste those final 4-12 and get that, game salted away with basically the round the and, run game and that's happened a couple times it happened in the titans fourth quarter it happened with the um i want to say maybe minnesota but also jacksonville late um when the cardinals obviously had the lead so yeah that's 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 the beauty of of having you know they're again they're gonna miss rodney hudson so don't 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 but i think max garcia it's like you're not relying on some young guy that you think can do it we know Mar- max garcia can do it it says now he's getting his opportunity. He finished last week's game talking about Max Garcia. He's very familiar with Sean Kugler, Vance Joseph, going back to their time together in Denver. There is a lot of trust, and that goes back to what Sean Kugler said in the offseason. He didn't have just five guys. He felt he had, at that point, two deep, meaning ten starters. Eight to ten. And I think we're seeing that because guys have had to come in. Justin Murray before he got hurt. Max Garcia. We're seeing Sean Harlow as well. Guys, when their name is called upon, how do you react to that? And Max Garcia has reacted very, very well. Yeah, we know Josh Jones last year. He had 61 snaps as an extra blocker. I got to think Harlow's going to be active because uh, he can play a couple different positions barring some kind of injury. So he could be an extra blocker out there. Uh, again, how are they, how are they going to uh, attack the defense without Max Williams? They do have other tight ends on the roster, but this is a time for maybe Rondell Moore or Christian Kirk to get some more targets uh, overall. And one thing I want to say when you use the word finish, this team has learned how to finish games. They they've learned, Last year they had a hard time finishing games, so that that's part of the process and that taking one day at a time. But, you know, I, I feel like every game they go into they can score points. Now you're not always going to score 30, but just make sure you score more than your opponent, and, and and I think they'll, you know, I think that the the ceiling is high for this team. It's just we're still waiting for one team to kind of bog down this offense. We just haven't seen it so far. 
finish games. Now the next step is finish the season. Yes. And people are waiting for that. You you that you can't answer that question. And I understand the hesitation from people locally and nationally still questioning the Cardinals. But if you're just looking at what they've accomplished through five weeks, there's no question about the talents, the execution, and their ability to win games in a number of different ways. Now, you want to talk about winning games in November or December? I'm all for that conversation. But we need to get to November yes. and December to have that conversation. And it's just they're just a different team. They look different. Uh, I mean, the the, the the competitiveness. I saw it in training camp. You see it in practice when it's open practice on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. I mean, these, these guys compete. And they're all rooting for each other. And that, that chemistry, you can never have enough of it and trust and building relationships. I, I just like where they are, um, not only on the field, but also in the locker room. All right. Speaking of that chemistry and how everyone gets along, how about this on Friday? James Conner about to wrap up his press conference, made available to the media on Friday, and in walks Kyler Murray and throws something at James Conner <laughs> at the end of the press conference. Conner was asked about it, and he gave a shout-out to Kyler Murray because it was his contact tracer that Conner had left and was going to get fined. So it's the quarterback helping out the running back and literally threw it at him. It's, you know, and, and these are – I know they're, they're small little tracers that players and coaches have to wear. But, but you would know think – of all the people in the building, somebody would bring it down there. It could have been any anybody. Yes. And here it's Kyler Murray. And we're seeing and hearing a lot more about Kyler Murray and just how much more open he is with his teammates. A noted uh, quote from Kelvin Beecham when he met the media on Wednesday talking about Kyler Murray. Quote, he's been very intentional about spending time with his teammates outside the building. That maturation as an individual has translated to the field, end quote. That, to me, out of everyone that has talked about Kyler Murray in this third season and how much better he is on the football field, it's how much better he is as a teammate. And that, I think, speaks volumes because it's not just his offensive teammates, but it's his defensive teammates as well. Yeah, and, and Kelvin Beecham, I mean, he was asked about, you know, the John Gruden stuff, and he said, I work for the Arizona Cardinals. I, to me, he's kind of like Corey Peters. He's like E.F. Hutton. Listen when he talks. He's not going to give you cliches. He's going to tell you exactly how he feels. And if he feels like things aren't going well, he will let that person know along with Rodney Hudson. So him and Corey Peters, to me, I listen when they talk because they're not just going to give you cliches and, and tell you what you really want to hear. They're going to tell you the truth. Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. A busy, busy football Friday. But before we end this edition of Cardinals Cover 2, just a quick look around the NFC West as far as what is going on here this week. I think it's fortunate, MJ, that the 49ers do not play this week because of what's going on at the quarterback position. Jimmy Garoppolo dealing with the knee. Now Trey Lance is dealing with an injury based off of what happened in that Cardinals game. So no 49ers game this week, but they got some questions to answer as far as what happens moving forward at the quarterback position. And I think for them, the bye in week six is coming at a good time. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And you know, I'm not ready to throw dirt on either of those teams. Uh, I know that the 49ers had bigger expectations. They felt like it was a Super Bowl team. The first offseason, Jimmy Garoppolo didn't have to uh, rehab. The Seahawks, I mean, I, I, they say six weeks on Russell Wilson. Uh, you know, he's, he's out there. Um, I think Geno Smith for the next couple of weeks. But, 
you know, the whole idea going into the season, the Cardinals were going to finish in fourth, and and everyone said that, and here we are. They're sitting atop of the division, and they have two wins inside the division. So props to them because all offseason, well, is, are they going to get four teams in there? Well, now uh, everyone's looking up at the Cardinals. By the way, you mentioned the Seahawks. Geno Smith, first start in four seasons, and it's on the road at the Pittsburgh Steelers under the bright lights of Sunday Night Football. Yeah, and, you know, I, I had a, when he went in the game, I'm like, oh, I didn't know he was there. And, and I always say, well, teams don't really value backup quarterbacks kind of like us last year or Chris Strebler. But, yeah, I mean, he looked fine. I mean, he he moved the ball. Um, I know they were really excited about their new coordinator. They got weapons, Tyler Lockett and, and D.K. Metcalf. And you look at the running game, and I just don't know if their defense can hold teams like they did in the past. They are not close to the Legion of Boom anymore. No, and it's – it happens. I'm not gonna cry about it. I no. I'm just saying, like they they made their run. They they should have won too. They made their run, and now, you know, it's just it's just one of those things where, that's why they play the game. And you know, I, I listened to everything on the off season. Uh, you know, the Cardinals going to be an eight win team, and then the worst thing was that they said they get off to a one and four start. All of a sudden, if they're one and four, they don't make this trade. No, they do not. They no. got bigger fish to fry. They'll find a young player and try to develop. That's what happens. And that's might have been what's going on with the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. I mean, if they don't, I mean, if they're one and four, I mean, that's not good. And that, that means, you know, uh, you know, jobs are on the line. It's a production business based on results. But if they were one and four, I don't see them making this trade. By the way, the last team in the division, uh, the Rams, they play at the Giants. And now the question is, do the Rams do anything in this? Do they answer what the Cardinals have done? But I think it's all – individual teams okay where's our biggest need do we even have a need and then injuries obviously will make that need but it's easier said than done oh the rams need to do something now well maybe they don't sean mcday said no yeah they've mortgaged their future that they're they don't have a lot of depth um who knows if they get an injury but um you know cardinals can't slip up here because i i think when we're having this conversation a few weeks from now the rams could be nine and one that's how favorable the schedule is. I know they got to go out there and play it. Um, you know, if they, some teams can get to Stafford and shut them down. But with that defense, uh, that defense can travel. But the, the way their record, uh, their schedule pans out, they could be 9-1. and one. And, and, again, if the Cardinals are sitting in that boat, they would own the tiebreaker. And right now the Cardinals do have that one-game edge on the Rams, who are 4-1. and one. And it's a uh, Rams team that after the Giants will host the Lions, play at the Texans, host the Titans, and then play at the 49ers before going to Green Bay. But they've also got Jacksonville still on the schedule. And then after that Jacksonville game, that's when the Rams come to State Farm Stadium to play the Cardinals. So looking at that schedule, Giants, Lions, Texans, Titans, 49ers, Packers, Jaguars, I mean, that's not exactly murderer's row. The Packers game, certainly. Sure. And maybe the Titans will have things figured out. Who knows? But, yeah, it's it, that matchup coming up, or not coming up. I mean, it's not until December 13th. And, by the way, that's Monday Night Football, as it just occurred to me that the Cardinals and Rams, their second meeting is on Monday Night Football. Well, that will be fun. Is that right? Yeah, December 13th. <laughs> I, I thought they were playing the Colts on Monday night. No, that's a oh. Saturday, Christmas oh. Day. Christmas Day, okay. Yeah, that's okay. the other national television game. Wow. 
Bring your popcorn. <laughs> it should be a it lot would of be fun. great to sweep them. Let's just stay focused, stay in our lane. Yeah, see, we we here on Cardinals yeah. Cover Two, we can look ahead. Yeah, those coaches and players no, no. down the way, yeah. they can't. It's one and zero this week. Yeah, and this week it's the Cleveland. And, Browns. and, and, and I'm telling you, it, it's 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 well known that it's one day at a time, one practice at a time, one game at a time, and. And listen, again, they don't give out trophies for five wins, but they put themselves in position to make a run in the NFC this year. Cardinals on Sunday, 105 is the kickoff from First Energy Stadium in Cleveland. Cardinals 5-0, and Browns 3-2. and Pre-game coverage begins at 8.30 a.m. on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. On that note, Bird Gang, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.